Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. In a land where prophets are killed, where God is crucified over and over again, where people abandon each other for the sake of ideas, making enemies of sisters and brothers, fighting wars because of fear, because of figments of our imagination, the war of terror within us, tearing at the bonds that join us, God is still with us, among us, Emmanuel, who is with the demonized and disenfranchised, the outcast and other, to bring them together as a mother hen desiring to gather her brood, to keep them safe from foxes, who seek to kill, steal, and destroy, holding them close into her chest if we choose to listen to her heart and be comforted by the warmth of her wings, if we choose the care that promises to never leave us, never to abandon us to ourselves, God abiding in love and loyalty, God ever-present. Greetings, my beloved friends, and welcome back to our Lenten journey. I begin this morning with these beautiful words written by Vietnamese artist, activist, and theologian Phuc Lu as a meditation on the gospel lesson from Luke that we just heard. You may also recognize this as words that we used in our collect of the day, providing beautiful imagery to go along with these stunning words. They help ground me today and offer a reminder of the timelessness we can often discover in the tradition that we have inherited when our ancient texts are held up closely to the events of our lives and infused with new energy and perspective. We are moving now together through the 40 days that take us from Ash Wednesday to Easter morning. This ancient season in the church has been set aside as five weeks of time carved out to be used for reflection and renewal. Through the gospel text assigned for us to read each year, we make this journey with Jesus. Starting last week with his 40 days in the wilderness following his baptism, and then making stops along the way until, eventually, we travel with him into Jerusalem for the very last time, before he is condemned to die for offering, well, a kind of love the world could not understand, accept, or ultimately contain. This year, I have invited some spiritual companions to join us. 
The former Archbishop Desmond Tutu and his daughter, also an Episcopal priest, Mfo Tutu, using wisdom offered in their wonderful book, Made for Goodness, and Why This Makes All the Difference. Last week, I suggested that this approach may take a bit of consideration, especially on the part of those who have found meaning in a more traditional approach to Lent. Lent is, after all, described as a penitential season, a time when we are asked to reflect on the places in our lives when offering or receiving forgiveness are real, a time when many take on a new spiritual discipline or choose to go without something for a time, hopefully in order to raise a kind of awareness of a practice or a pattern that perhaps is no longer life-giving. All of this has worth, of course, and merit when done with intention and mindfulness. But this year, this year, after two years of so much loss and separation, at a time when global peace feels precarious at best, and when so many of us here in this community of progressive Christians have become weary of wrestling with the traditional teachings of an institution that has not always been welcoming, inviting, affirming, and encouraging, and especially during a season when words like sin and guilt and shame can be hot-button triggers for many of us. This year, then, we are making our Lenten journey, wrapping ourselves in blankets of God's goodness and tender care. So how lovely is it that this morning we hear the passage from the Gospel of Luke that uses the imagery of a mother hen gathering her brood under her protective wings to describe Jesus' desire for those he came to teach about the way of love. But before we go any further with some of the details of today's Gospel passage, I want to take a step back and invite us to notice something that I had never thought about before. I want us to notice something about what the storyteller might be trying to offer us when we read this gospel through the lens of goodness. Today we have read from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Why is that important? Well, it was two weeks ago when we read four chapters back in the ninth chapter, that Jesus came off of the mountaintop and the storyteller tells us then emphatically, Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem. Okay, we get it. That is a clear turning point in the narrative and we know where this is going. Jesus is on his way to the cross. And yet, if you were to open your Bible and start paging through from that place in the text to when he actually arrives in Jerusalem, you would have to flip through 10 chapters of the Gospel of Luke. I never noticed that before, and it made me curious. What happens in those 10 chapters? Why does it take Jesus so long to get to what might be called the main event if the resurrection is the end goal? 
There must be a reason why this storyteller took so long to get Jesus from point A to point B. Did Jesus get lost or distracted along the way? It just seemed a little odd. Well, I did the reconnaissance work for us, and here is a brief recap of what his triptych during those 10 chapters includes. It's actually quite a stunning collection of what might best be described as journal entries of encounters that Jesus had along the way. At various times in those chapters, he healed those who were wounded in body, mind, or spirit. He engaged religious leaders and confronted systems of oppression. He blessed and played with children. He listened to and shared stories with those who had been lost or forgotten. He pursued acts of justice and kindness. He grieved for those who were either unable or unwilling to let their hearts be cracked open to hear the message of the goodness of God's love. In other words, these 10 chapters, of which we find ourselves in the middle of chapter 13 today, these are the stories of Jesus's journey, revealing where and how he found and lived into God's goodness in the most ordinary and some extraordinary ways. So, no, it is clear that these 10 chapters were not mistakes or a narrative filler, if you will, offered by our storyteller. These chapters provide a kind of spiritual roadmap offering the reminder that no matter how important the destination may be, Jesus takes his time and stops without question for the least and the lost and the lonely. He makes time to be with those who others could not want to be with. He makes time for a community in need of love and liberation, a reminder that in fact goodness is found in the smallest moments along the journey. So today we are in the middle of that witness. And just when he may have had hit his ministry stride, Jesus seems to have hit a fairly substantial roadblock. Jesus is confronted this morning with a warning of Herod's desire to kill him. And his response? He tells the Pharisees in so many words, something like this. Please go back and tell that conniving fox, you do you. I don't have time for this. I am busy today and tomorrow healing those who need me. I am trying to love people by helping them shake off the demons keeping them from living wholehearted lives. And after that, on the third day, I am moving on because I got places to go. I think the tutus would agree that in this moment, and throughout these 10 in-between chapters chronicling Jesus's ministry, Jesus emulates their insight that suggests that Jesus came in part to help us shake off our demons in order to be able to accept the goodness that God gives us every day. For many, the demons show up from striving endlessly to be good or to do good rather than finding ways to simply live from our God-given goodness. Jesus would not be deterred from his mission or thrown off course from the fear or hate-mongering of another, even one in high authority. 
He was determined to go into the dark places and to be with the people who needed the reminder that they are, without effort, good from the start. The Tutus go further, explaining in their book that when we forget about our goodness, we are robbed of our joy, the gift given freely to each of us each day. They write, Goodness is not the coin with which we anxiously pay for God's love. Our goodness is rather the recognition we offer and the thanks we return for the gifts of love already given us. The goal is to simply live out of the joy and generosity of our goodness. Another way of hearing this reminder of learning to live from our goodness comes from the work of social researcher and good Episcopalian Brene Brown. She writes, When we can let go of what other people think and own our own story, we gain access to our worthiness, the feeling that we are enough just as we are and that we are worthy of love and belonging. When we spend a lifetime trying to distance ourselves from the parts of our lives that don't fit with who we think we're supposed to be, we stand outside of our story and hustle for our worthiness by constantly performing, perfecting, pleasing, and proving. Our sense of worthiness, that critically important piece that gives us access to love and belonging, lives inside of each of our stories. That's what I see Jesus doing all along the way today. He is in all 10 chapters leading up to his final days and especially today, claiming his worthiness through God's grace, bravely living out what he has been called to do while he was among us living inside of his own story, and I believe we are called to do the same. The time we take to hug our children, to offer help to someone in need, to get involved in efforts to help our city and our country, to stay abreast of what is happening on the world stage and figure out how we can be a part of a peaceful solution to meet someone new, to reach out to someone who needs to hear from you, to comfort someone who is hurting, to smile at someone who is afraid, to stand up for those who are being overlooked, to include those who are excluded, to welcome and invite someone who is different from yourself, on and on. All of these ways matter in the world as we embrace, discover, and remember our goodness and then share that goodness in the world, because they all represent our call to claim that goodness without reservation. So as we continue to make our way through this Lenten journey, may we remember how important each and every moment of each and every day truly is. May we live into the goodness that is ours from start to finish, and may we feel the warmth of a mother hen wrapping her protective wings around us, her beautiful, good brood. In a land where prophets are killed, 
where God is crucified over and over again, where people abandon each other for the sake of ideas, making enemies of sisters and brothers, fighting wars because of fear, because of figments of our imagination, the war of terror within us, tearing at the bonds that join us, God is still with us, among us, Emmanuel, who is with the demonized and the disenfranchised, the outcasts and other, to bring them together as a mother hen, desiring to gather her brood, to keep them safe from foxes who seek to kill, steal, and destroy holding them close into her chest if we choose to listen to her heart and be comforted by the warmth of her wings, if we choose the care that promises to never leave us, never to abandon us to ourselves, God abiding in love and loyalty, God ever present. May it be so.